Well, I would ask you, um, I would ask you all this morning how good your memory is. Uh, you know, I, my memory is okay. The, the biggest thing that I struggle with with my memory is I forget to remember. And sometimes I forget to remember. Uh, I, I heard a story one time about these uh, two little ladies that lived together in the house, and and uh, they as they was just trying to get along, they couldn't they for, couldn't remember from one moment to the next. Uh, you know what was what was happening in their lives, but I didn't prepare that this morning. I, I wish I had really, but I didn't. I didn't refresh myself on it. But um, you know, last week, Sister Sarah, she ministered for Mother's Day service, and I was quite proud of my wife. I think she did a great job, and uh, and we thank you, and we honored those mamas and and mothers and the ladies, and uh, we we still bless you this week. Um, two weeks ago, the uh, the Holy Spirit was began to work and to minister in the service, and and, and of course we always are uh, always want to be willing and uh, to yield the right of way to the Holy Spirit as He begins to work and minister. We we had a remarkable Sunday morning service two weeks ago, but three Sundays ago I preached a message. And that message was up close and personal. I would ask you all if you remember it, but you probably wouldn't. And I don't want to uh, release the temptation for you to fib to me, okay, that you remember the message. Uh, but it was up close and personal, part one. This morning I want to preach to you up close and personal, part two, because I couldn't make it all fit in one service. So when I last preached that message up close and personal with God, I presented the thoughts of that our encounters with God are driven or they are based on our want to and our desire to pursue Him. Our desire to chase after Him, if you would. I illustrated that... Uh, Pursuing and the determination that we can possess by some illustrations. One was Jacob wrestling with God. Jacob that wrestled with God until he, the, the angel of the Lord, which I believe was the pre-incarnate Christ when we see the angel of the Lord mentioned in the Old Testament, that, that, that he actually took his finger and dislocated Jacob's thigh. You may remember that. And Jacob forevermore walked with a uh, limp, but just to remind him of the encounter that he had with God. I also, uh, I also made mention of a lady that had been hemorrhaging in her body for 12 years and, and she scratched and she dug and I can, in my mind, I imagine her even crawling hands and knees, pushing her way through a crowd in, in the dirt, uh, in the dirt of, of the desert, if you would, to get to where Jesus was at, just to grab hold of the, the hem of his robe, of the hem of his garment, as we call it. I thought about a short fella, and I can relate to short people. I thought about a short fella that, that climbed a tree just to get to see Jesus. And then I thought about this guy that lost the roof of his house because 
there was a bunch of friends that had a buddy that was in need and they were so determined to get him to Jesus that they took the roof, the shingles, the, the straw, whatever may have been on that house. They ripped the roof of the house off just to lower him down on his bed to get to the presence of Jesus. Man, that's determination. That is pursuing the Lord. And you may recall that as I preached that first part of this message that pursuit is actually the abandonment, if you would, of oneself. It's, it's the, um, it, it's the, the neglecting our own desires to, uh, to fulfill the desires of the Lord, to experience Him. It's, the message was about God desiring our pursuit. God, He's not some, He's not some egotistical being. Don't misunderstand and think that at all. But, but God does desire us to pursue Him. He desires us to long for Him. He desires for us. He created us. We're the only part of His creation that He made with a self-will. Listen, that right now in, in heaven, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I do know part of what's happening in heaven right now. There are worshiping angels. There are thousands, millions perhaps of worshiping angels that are gathered around the presence, the throne of God as we would know it, and we call it, and they are there worshiping God day and night, night and day as we sing in that one song. But God created us out of the dust of the earth and He breathed into us His breath, but He, he, he yet He let us have our own self-will and, uh, uh, you know, and, and we get to choose to worship Him. We're not created with, with the, without a choice to worship Him, but He created us and gave us a will and we choose whether we want to pursue Him or not. And He gets great glory from that pursuit. And then as we pursue God, there are great benefits that we enjoy as we pursue Him. But today I want to uh, look at this second part of the message of up close and personal with Jesus. I want us to look at it from a different angle, a different perspective, a different vantage point, if you would. My, my hope is before we leave this room this morning is to have painted a a verbal portrait of how God sees us. We've, I've shared with you about how we should see God, but now how God sees us. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 40. It's a very, uh, very familiar passage of scripture. And in Isaiah chapter 40, the scripture says, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God? I want you to capture what God's speaking here to, uh, to, to His people. He's, he's not, he's not speaking to necessarily what we would call the heathen. As he, as he, as he speaks to Jacob, he says, why do you say Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord and my cause is disregarded from God. You see, he's, what he's, what he's saying here, why, why do you, why are you saying that I have forsaken you? 
God has, and, and God has reason for asking that question. He said, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator uh, of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired nor weary. And his understanding, no ones can even fathom. Nobody can even fathom the knowledge of God. He gives strength to the weary. He gives strength to the weary. And, and, and he over, and as he gives strength to the weary, his understanding, no one, he gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even the youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and they will not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You see, as we, as we follow the scripture, uh, we, we can find that there are 39 chapters and 26 verses that precede Isaiah chapter 40. And in that 39 chapters and 26 verses, we find that prophetically the Lord is declaring His greatness and the authority that He has over the kingdoms of this world. We find that God gets to the heart of the matter when we get into verse 27. In verse 27, we find that that God begins to disclose or to reveal his frustration for his people. His people that he, he has chosen. He handpicked them. This is, this is Israel we're talking about. And he, and he begins to share his frustration, uh, uh, not only about his people, but he shares it with the people. He begins to share that it's just more of their same old, same old. It's more of their grumbling. It's, it's more of the, the complaining of their own. It's apparent that Israel has feelings that they have been forsaken. They've been neglected. They're feeling abandoned. Israel's even feeling a little mistreated. Now I know all of you all are, are much more mature in your faith than I am and, 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 and none of you all, uh, and none of you all are, are quite like me. But I, but I'm gonna be quite frank with you this morning. There's times that I feel like God has not been fair to me. There are times in my life that I could even say, I, I, if I were to be really frank about it, that I could say that I feel like God forsook me and didn't hold up on his end of the deal. There's been times in my life when when I, I just felt like I, 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 I that I could and, I, and actually that I have looked at God and said, okay, where are you now? Now, I know none of you all ever have that, you know, occurrence in your life because I, I'm sure that you're probably much more mature than me, and I ask that you pray for me that I'll come to that place. But 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 these 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 Israelites, you see, it's apparent that they have the feelings that I experience from time to time of being forsaken, neglected, abandoned, and mistreated. They have allowed through all of this, whatever's happened, they have allowed their confidence in the person 
Yahweh, as they referred to God, they have allowed their confidence in Yahweh to deteriorate or even come to that place that they no longer have any faith at all. See, there's no doubt in my mind that these corporate feelings of the Jews, I, I don't think it began with the mass population. I, I, you know, I, when I, when I see, uh, when I see doubt and, and, uh, faith, doubt to occur, faith begin to dwindle, you know, something I've noticed is many times that, that, uh, it's, it's, it's like a growth. It's like a cancer. You know, we, we're, we're, Lord willing, hope we're on this, the, the post side of this pandemic. And we're beyond its, uh, its, its worst. Now, is it still around? Absolutely. But we're on the, the post side of this pandemic. But we all remember how that a couple years ago, we weren't sitting here like we are right now. Excuse me. Excuse me. It's just that time of year, honey. Suffolk and locust is in bloom. But we're on, we're in that post-pandemic time of year. But, but two years ago, we were all wearing masks, wearing gloves. We were not going out of our house. Uh, and on the occasion when we did, uh, sometimes we even spread the sickness around a little bit. You know, I think that sometimes even in our faith, we're guilty of, 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 of creating or spreading, if you would, a Virus of faith uh, or of doubt. We spread a virus that, that causes our faith to waver. Sometimes while we're meant to encourage one another, if we're not real careful, we can discourage one another. I don't think this, I don't think this doubt and, and unbelief that Israel has, I don't think it has happened all of a sudden one day they woke up and said, oh, huh, we're discouraged today. No, no, no. I, th- I think it probably started with maybe just one person. Maybe two. Maybe it started, maybe it started at the local hunting club. Maybe it started at the ladies quilting party. Maybe it started among the moms over, the soccer moms over ball practice while the kids, and, 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 and one says, I'm, I'm really feeling discouraged. I'm really feeling like God has let me down. I'm really feeling like it's, well, I know how you're feeling. I feel the same way. And, and suddenly you find yourself in a, a masked Mass lack of faith or mass discouragement, if you would. There's an old proverb that said small seeds. A small seed grows a mighty tree. You know, sometimes it just takes one seed of discouragement. It just takes one person being discouraged or disgruntled. Uh, in this case, it was probably a discouraged or gruntled Jew uh, that planted a seed. And like a virus, it had spread through the entire nation of Israel, millions of people. So God addresses that in the verses of Scripture that we read from Isaiah chapter 40. So why are they so unhappy? Why are they so unhappy? Well, when you study Scripture, you find there there's 14 occurrences that uh, that can be discovered that that Israel found themselves disgruntled. There's 14 recorded occurrences of Israel becoming disgruntled with their God. Among those 14 complaints, I'm just gonna give you a half a dozen. One was, "You brought us out here to let us die." We could have stayed at the flesh pots in Israel and at least we would have had something to eat. You brought us out here to die. God says, no, I didn't. And he gives them manna from heaven. 
We find that, oh, the water is bad. It's Mara. The waters are bitter. And God says, throw this branch into the waters and the water became sweet. Another occurrence says, we have no water at all. We're going to die of thirst. And out of a rock comes water. Another occurrence, we're alone. We're all by ourselves. And there's a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. We're hungry. And quail comes out of heaven. We have a bad leader. His name is Moses. God rises that, raises that leader up to a, a higher level than he's ever been before. We're like those children of Israel. We get tired. We get battle-worn and we get weary. And it's our nature. Understand this with me. Just the same as it was with Israel, the nation of Israel, it is so with us. It is our nature as humanity to become self-centered. That's our nature. Have you ever noticed how often the most important... You, you want to know what the most important agenda in your life? If you're really honest, and I'm really honest with myself, the most important agenda in my life is usually my agenda. When I'm traveling the interstate, and I'm on the interstate a lot, you guys know that. But you know what? When I'm on the interstate, the most important car traveling on the interstate, especially when I'm in one of those tunnels, and the car is running 40 mile an hour, and there is nobody in front of them. The most important agenda is mine. Quit pointing fingers. The most important agenda is mine because the most important person traveling that roadway is for me to get to where I'm going. The most important agenda in my, you know, the, the, the most important thing, yeah, when we're, listen, now I know none of y'all like this. I know none of y'all are like me and Sarah. When I'm driving down the road and I do most of the driving, when I, not that she can't drive well, but I just do most of the driving. I like to drive and I, I like being in control of the situation, if you would. But every once in a while, she'll say, she'll go, will you watch out? Do you see that car turning off? We got a lot of finger pointing going on on that side of the church. I don't have to go. When I'm in the car, the radio is on. I want to listen to. And 99% of the time, it is going to have a banjo in it. For you proper people, that's banjo. When I get in her car... It's going to have something with lots of vocals and my wife is not as sanctified as you think she is. It may even have the voice of Harry Connick coming out of the speakers, you know. Yeah. Her car, her radio. My car, my radio. On the rare occasion I drive her car, 
her radio becomes my radio. Because I'm selfish when it comes to the radio. It's my agenda. It's what I like. And you know, and quite frankly, it's some of you are just like me, whether you want to admit it or not. When we're at the house, it's not about I like to watch, you know, I like to watch like the hot rod garage shows or Orange County Choppers. When you're at our when you're at the house at our house. I never have to ask where the remote is because I know she has it. And I can tell that she has it because NCIS reruns are on TV. You see, it's, it's about our agendas. It, we, we, we all have a, a certain amount of selfishness about us. It's, it's what we like. We're self-centered. Have you ever noticed that about your life? I'm sure it's probably true in spite of yourself. You know, sometimes it's, we act as though, you know, I, I saw in the news the other day, Dave, did you see the news where they got this picture of the black hole finally out there in the universe? That black hole exists. And we know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not big on knowing, uh, you know, I, I did well with it when I was in school, but that's been a long time ago. But I know that, that the, all these little planets that the one that we live in, all the moon and all, all the moons and all the planets as we know them, they revolve around the sun, the SUN. But but sometimes I know a few people just like me that sometimes in our life we act like the sun revolves around us. Because in spite of ourselves, we're just a little bit selfish. That's what the struggle was with Israel. That's why where they were at, you know, it was about their agenda. They were, they, they lost track. They lost sight of what God was doing in their lives and how He had promised that He's going to raise them up as a nation that will, will never cease to exist and they will be more number than the numbers of grains of sand on the seashore. But they forgot about all that and they begin to complain and they begin to second guess God. We're no different than them. We're no different than them. They're entertaining the thoughts that God's not paying attention to us anymore. God's not thinking about us anymore. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. We can, everybody do this with me right now. I want you to do this. Okay, I want you to do this. And then I want you to do this beside of you. Okay, now I want you to do this. And I want you to do this. And I want you to do this beside of you. Now, you all know what just happened. We took off our halos and our angel wings just then. Okay? That's what just occurred. We took off our halos. We took off our angel wings. And we must admit and confess, yes, God, sometimes I struggle. I don't have it all together in my life. And sometimes I question how close you are and what you're doing in my life. You see, we have a feeling many times that we are forsaken. Don't beat yourself up over that. You're not the first one. You're not going to be the last 
last one. Not only are the Jews, were the Jews feeling that, so did David. If you read Psalms 13, Psalms 42, and Psalms 43, you will find that David there is feeling bad for himself. You will find that Jesus, when he was nailed to the cross, he begins to cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, there, as all of us deal with those times of life, and it's not unusual, and it doesn't mean that we're bad people, but sometimes we just have to come to grips that we become weak in our faith, and we really begin to wonder where God is at. My apologies for the faint print, but that is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes these letters to that struggling Corinthian church. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ Power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. I delight in insults. I delight in hardship. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, our faith is actually found in strength when we are weak. Because when we are weak, then it, that is when Christ is strong in us. When you and I are weak, that is when God can manifest Himself the most. Even when we don't realize that He's doing so. These weak moments... These episodes when we're lacking faith. These episodes when we're we're crying, where we're complaining about not having water or not having enough food or not liking the food that we have. Those episodes when the sun is too hot or the nights are too cold. Those episodes when we complain are actually times that if we will draw close to God, as He instructs us to through the prophet Isaiah, that we can grow in Him and He develops us into stronger witness. Is walking by faith and not by sight. So just who is God? Who is God? You ever thought about that? You ever had one of those little kids come up to you? Maybe one of your children, maybe your grandchildren, maybe some, some child that you've had in, in Sunday school class or in, in youth ministry or in children's ministry. And they, they ask you that all, that all famous question, where did God come from? Of course, we give that strong biblical answer. Well, in the beginning was God. He always has been and He always will be. God didn't come from anywhere. He was the, He's the beginning of all things. But, but just who really is God? Where is He? Where does He live? Where is He now? Well, the first thing I want you to know is this, that God is mighty. He is mighty. God is massive in His existence. He has laid the foundations of the universe. He has established the boundaries of the ocean. And He has set every planet in its place. If you don't believe that's true, don't take my word for it. Go read Job chapter 38. Because God had to straighten Job out a little bit on some things. And He let Job know, Hey, I'm the God that set everything into place. and set the boundaries of the ocean. I set every planet and in its place, I am mighty God. And while there are many grains of sand on the earth, understand this, 
this, that God knows every single grain of sand. He even says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 30, Jesus said, He knows the number of hairs that adorn our heads. Now for some of us in this room, that that's not as, we're not as tasking on God as others. But I want you to know this, when you take that in consideration, God knows everything there is to know about us. He knows everything there is to know about you. He knows everything there is to know about me. He is large enough to sit on the throne of heaven, yet He is small enough to abide within your heart. That's who God is. At this very moment, He is occupying the infinity of the universe. I don't think the black hole is even even a, 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 a smidgen, as my mom would say, of what the vastness of God is. Whatever is beyond that black hole, God is so vast, He's so big, He is so mighty, He is occupying the infinity of the universe, but He is also right here in this room in Voice of Praise Worship Center right now. He is right where you are if you're watching from your car. He is right in your living room. God is just that big, but yet He's also that small. You see, God is up close and personal right now. He's up close and personal right now in this moment. In the last message, I left you with a charge to, to pursue God. I left you with a charge to, to chase after Him. But today I want you to leave with the knowledge and the understanding that God is pursuing you. He's pursuing you. You know, we sing some songs that talks about He's chasing after me. You know? He's chasing after me. We, we talk, we, we sing about those songs, but you know, it, it's, it's almost a mutual agreement. In fact, when I read in the scripture, it says, when I read in the scripture, it says, in the King James wording, it says, if you will draw nigh unto God, He will draw nigh unto you. Let me tell you something. Come up, come up here, Heathrow. Okay. I haven't used him as an example in a long time. Okay. You stand right there. Okay. This is just temporary metaphoric illustration. But right now, you are God. Okay, don't get no ideas. Okay, don't get no ideas. Okay, I am the wanderer. I am the stranger. I am the pilgrim. God is way out there. He's way out there. But I come to my senses. I'm the prodigal. I come to my senses. And it's going to take me one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's going to take me eight steps to get to God. But the scripture says... When I not draw nigh unto God, or when I begin to draw close unto God, that He begins to draw close unto me. So we take one, two, three, four. You see, God met me halfway. Now, it's not saying that He compromised. It's not saying he compromised, but what it does say, if you was me- if you were measuring in time, and I know it's just a, it's just a small segment of time, but I promise you it, that we were nose to nose with each other in half the amount of time that it took me to get all the way over to him. Thank you. 
So understand this, God is, we're, we're not only to pursue God, but if we will pursue God, then He will pursue us and He will meet us, if you would, right in the middle. He will meet us in half the time. He will meet us because He, He chooses to love us and to pursue us that much. He, you know, I'll go back. I hadn't really planned to include the prodigal in this, in this message this morning. But when you think about the prodigal and you read the story of the prodigal in my imagination, I imagine that, I imagine an old dad that's been going out and sitting on his front porch just hoping to get a glimpse of his son coming back home someday. But when you read that story, however it came to the dad's awareness, what the dad did, he didn't wait on the son to get all the way right to the front porch. He began to react long before the sun ever made. He probably saw the sun before the sun ever saw the house. Understand this, that God is so up close and personal with us. As we draw nigh unto Him, He is drawing nigh unto us. And He has not forsaken us. He has not lost track of who we are. He has not forgotten about us. He is not some God that's sitting in, just sitting in the infinity of heaven itself. But He's also right in this room. He's also right in your heart. So last week I gave you the charge to pursue Him, but today I want you to know that He is in pursuit of you. Hebrews, the Hebrews writer in Hebrews chapter 13, the Hebrews writer said this, he said, I won't leave you. He said, nor will I forsake you. You see, God's not going away. You know... You know, we heard all this talk about vaccination boosters over the past couple of years. Vaccinations and, and mandatory vaccinations and mandatory boosters. Let me tell you, I like mandatory vacations. And I like vacation boosters. You know, I like, every once in a while, it's good. It, it's hard for Sarah and I just to take a day off and not do anything at the house. We, we almost have to go somewhere or do something. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes they're long past due and, 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 and sometimes it's even referred to as a sabbatical. But I want you to know this. God doesn't take sabbaticals. Jesus doesn't go on vacation. He's not going to answer his phone because he He's at Disney World. He's not going to. He's not going to neglect to answer the call because he's on a cruise ship somewhere. No, 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 no. God doesn't leave us nor he forsake us. He never sleeps. He never rests. He's always on duty. He's always on the job. He doesn't even take a weekend off. He doesn't take a long weekend. He is constant, consistent, and conscious of everything that's going on in your life right now. I can promise you that. But what we have to do. Pursue Him. And then He pursues us in return. My goodness. I'm glad I got this paper towel mama. I just spit all over my iPad. He's constant, consistent, and conscious of everything that happens in your life and my life. He has not forgotten about you. He has not overlooked you. He is not ignoring you. As you draw nigh unto Him, He will draw nigh unto you. But what we need to do is become sensitive to His to His whisper. Wait on His touch and feel His breath as He breathes on us.
Now I pick at Sarah a little bit. Not really picking. Just told her this the other day. She said, I'm glad God put you in my life. I said, I am too, honey. I said, I am too. We, God's blessed us immensely. I said, I'm glad you chased me down. She really didn't chase me down. It was, it was a mutual pursuit, I guess you could say, right? Right. She's turning red. I embarrass her so much. But you know what? God is after you this morning. He does pursue you this morning. He does desire you this morning. I hope that you do Him. I hope that you're pursuing Him. I hope that you are chasing after Him. Because certainly one thing is going to occur. If you're pursuing God and in His pursuit of you, then that Scripture is brought to fulfillment. Draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. And you'll meet each other at that 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 half half the distance if you would it's it's going to be accelerated do you know if you have if you have two if you have two objects that are speeding together and I'll use uh I'll use miles per hour as a measurement but it, you know you can have you can have an object that is running 60 mile an hour but you can have two objects approaching each other that are both running 60 mile an hour and then the com- the combination of both of those those objects coming together are actually actually approaching each other at a combined and accelerated speed of 120 miles an hour. Faster than most any of us in this room have ever been in our life. With the exception of those who own Chevrolets. Understand, when you pursue God, He's pursuing you. And everything that you think has been forgotten about in your life, everything that you feel like been neglected. Those thoughts of, well, God, He must, He must have just abandoned me. He must have just left me. Erase those thoughts from your mind because God is after you. I want you to bow your heads. Close your eyes with me this morning. We all have our struggles. I've shared with you out of Transparency this morning. I've shared with you that sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I wonder, well, God, where are you when, when something breaks, when something happens? God, where are you? I have those thoughts. But you're sitting in this room this morning and you've been, you've been struggling. You've been wrestling with things. You may be in this room and you need to be saved. Listen, if you need to be saved, God is after you. The, the, the hounds of hell are after, after you, but God is after you as well. And it's His desire that you be saved. All you have to do is make your way to Him. A woman pushed through a crowd. Some guys tore a roof off. One guy climbs a tree. Another one wrestles with God until his thigh becomes dislocated. Are you pressing into God? I can promise you he's pressing into you. If you're in this room and, and maybe you are saved, you're a Christian, you're a believer, you don't struggle with the confidence knowing that you're saved, but you're struggling. You're struggling with 
where God, where's God in my life right now? If you need salvation or you're struggling in that capacity right now with nobody looking around except me, I want you to slip your hand up. I'm not going to, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm str-